From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Before they operate, surgeons generally ask patients to undergo a preoperative physical. We'll learn why and what's involved from Dr. Zachary Shepard. He's an assistant professor of medicine who specializes in internal medicine at Upstate. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Shepard. No, it's good to be here. Now, are preoperative physicals recommended for all surgeries? Yes, in general, they are. Um, sometimes uh, younger patients don't necessarily need one, but they're still in generally recommended. And emergency procedures often don't have time to get one. So, but otherwise, if you have time to get one, they should be done. So, would a preoperative physical be needed for a surgery that doesn't require anesthesia? Not necessarily. I think that's the big point is anesthesia is the biggest risk most of the time when you're getting a surgery. So there are some surgeries like uh, dental surgeries and eye surgeries and things that are simple that don't require sedation that might not necessarily need a physical exam um, from someone who's able to do a preoperative evaluation. Uh, sometimes though, they will send you anyway based on some of the other medical problems you might have that you should probably make sure taken care of or well optimized before you go to surgery. Well, let's talk about what a person can expect if their surgeon asks them to get a physical beforehand. Is this something that's done weeks ahead of time or days ahead? How is that figured out? So the idea is that it should be a couple of weeks out. I think sometimes it works out that it's a few months out. Um, I think within six months is usually a good time frame that you still have. So say they sent you for a preoperative evaluation. After that evaluation, they're usually pretty good for six months or so. It depends on um, the person who does them. Sometimes they don't um, want it more than a month or a year or depend also depending on your comorbidities. So most of the time, though, it's pretty good. And you want to get it within a week and then have the surgery within a few weeks. I think that's ideal. Now, do people have to fast before they come for a preoperative physical, or do, is there some preparation that they have to, to do? No, not at all. Not for the preoperative evaluation. There's no fasting or anything like that. Is there blood work involved? Sometimes there is blood work involved, yes. So it depends on your comorbidities. Again, patients um, with certain, at certain ages, patients with certain diseases like diabetes uh, should probably have some basic blood work. Um, you'll probably get more blood work than is required. Uh, a lot of people love to get blood work, even though it's not really all that necessary. Um, some people would disagree with me, but I think that the recommendations is um, pretty low on how much blood we take from people. So what are the blood tests looking for? Is, is there something in particular that could be discovered? I think the two main things that they're looking for is um, your kidney function and uh, whether or not you're anemic. I think those are two big ones they would be looking for. Um, it's they're usually some kind of a general panel that looks at your, it's a basic metabolic panel, kind of looks at your electrolytes and stuff, and then they'll send a uh, blood count to look at your, you know, your white cells and your red cells, make sure you're not anemic. So sometimes it sounds like it might uncover something the person's unaware of, but it is also used to monitor people that have like a chronic issue. That's right. Um, Pre-ops do often find incidental, have incidental findings, and we have to address those as well. All right, can you explain how the physical exam would be done? And does it differ depending on the type of surgery the person's facing? Yeah, not too much. So like you uh, pointed out earlier about the anesthesia, the big point is um, cardiovascular, right? So we're looking at 
cardiovascular health and we're making sure there's nothing going on with your heart and your lungs. So the basic exam, I think the minimal exam that you'll expect to see is listening to your heart and your lungs and making sure they don't have any uh, adventitious findings, especially if um, you have some already have some heart disease or you already have some lung disease like you used to smoke and things like that. So those, that's the, the bare minimum that I think you would expect. Sometimes if they're gonna be operating on your, you know, your arm or your eye, they might look a little closer at whatever uh, area they're, you're gonna be operated on. So pretty much everyone's gonna get a cardiac, some form of a cardiac evaluation and some form of a, a lung assessment. Correct. And now during the time of COVID, everyone's being COVID tested as well. Does that happen for the pre-op? Yes, I believe that is happening. I'm not really in that part in the loop on that. It's coordinated outside of what I generally do. Um, but yes, they usually get it a couple of days right before the surgery. Um, and I think the fairgrounds will be doing that soon or something. This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, talking with Dr. Zachary Shepard. He's an internal medicine doctor at Upstate, and we're discussing what's important to know about the preoperative physical. So if the goal of the preoperative physical is to make sure a person is healthy enough to undergo anesthesia and surgery, what sorts of things are red flags that would signal to you that the person is not okay for surgery? So particularly uh, cardiovascular symptoms. So some people don't realize when they're getting short of breath more and more or something like that. So I would, I would one of the questions we all ask is, you know, do you have, are you able to walk up steps without getting too short of breath? Are you able to carry bags of groceries without uh, getting short of breath? Those are some of the standard questions because we're looking at your exercise tolerance. And if you have really good exercise tolerance, then you're good to go. And if you don't, then we might want to ask some more questions. Um, if you already have some heart disease, we might want to ask a few more questions. And what we're doing is we're trying to make sure nothing is going on um, with your cardiovascular system, essentially, so that you can tolerate anesthesia without complications. So what would be some of the most typical things that you might find with, with someone um, that would be a red flag or that would tell you that they would have to postpone their surgery for? Yeah, so ongoing chest pain, intermittent chest pain, um, particularly pressure. Um, I think people learn what chest pressure usually means, um, or uh, we call dyspnea on exertion, which means you get short of breath when you exercise or walk. Those are the big red flags. So those were things that would have to be sort of solved in some way before they could be cleared. Yes, correct. Um, and we don't actually say clear. We say, um, um, you know, uh, say uh, rich. We really don't. So we don't say clear because. That implies that everything's okay. What we say is we, you know, risk stratify people and then optimize them. Hmm. So is it like a one to 10 scale or how does that work? <laughs> so actually that changed yeah, um, not that long ago, I think in 2016. Well, I guess I say it not that long ago, but that was five years ago. <laughs> uh, so uh, they used to say low, moderate and high risk. Um, but now it's just low and uh, elevated risk. So you know how language kind of changes over time to not make people scared? Because uh, sometimes when you would put high risk, that's okay. I mean, uh, you know, somebody that's high risk, that probably still okay to go to surgery. We still recommend, you know, they need this, right? 
but you know we just need to know that their risk is higher so that we know that hey you might need to go to the hospital after the procedure you're getting or we know you're going to stay the night in the hospital after that just because you're high risk we want to keep an eye on you so it's kind of a scale of one to two now <laughs> well there's some medical conditions though a person say for instance with diabetes maybe are they going to come to you knowing ahead of time that they their diabetes probably would make them a higher risk person or or would it not necessarily be the case so it's not necessarily the case and you know you if you get into the subtlety of what it all is it's not kind of standardized the preoperative evaluation you'd think that it's completely standardized and it kind of is for cardiovascular but not for everything else so it doesn't include everything else so how to come up with low versus elevated risk, it doesn't take into account a whole lot of other things, right? So there's actually five or six different um, um, scales that people use. These are medical tools that doctors use as assessed for assessment? Yeah, so you plug in all the values and it'll spit out a number and tell you, hey, this is their cardiac risk, right? But it doesn't, that doesn't really, to me, that didn't answer the question of what all we're doing, because there's so many other subtleties. People have liver disease, people have kidney disease, people have diabetes, you know, it's not just the heart and lungs. And although that is the dominant part, I think that it is good to take into account everything, the whole patient, you know, all the diseases they could have to give them a good assessment of what their expectations are and whether or not they should proceed with the surgery. Some of these surgeries are electives. Maybe it's better they don't do it, you know? So there's a lot, it sounds like, of, uh, you know, number values that are taken and put together to come to this decision. But it sounds like there's some human, I mean, you you are talking to this person and you're making, forming an impression about their ability to withstand surgery, right? Does that factor in somewhere? Oh, yes, most definitely. So, you know, the, every single time you do it, everybody's just a little different. Everybody has just a little different background. Everybody explains things or talks to you just a little bit differently. So it really has to be personalized to that person. And I think if I gave anybody advice, though, or if you want to go undergo a procedure and you want to know that you're going to do well, it's exercise tolerance, we call it, right? So if you can tolerate exercise, like cardiovascular exercise, you're going to do well. I don't care what comorbidities you have. You know, the outcomes for people that can, you know, walk, you know, three or four miles or, or run even, especially run, then you're going to do well, right? So. so someone who might have an elective procedure in their future, they should uh, prepare for that and, and sort of get in shape if they're not in shape already physically. <laughs> Yeah, I think I can recommend that everybody gets a little cardiovascular help. Even myself, I'm still working back on it since I sat, you know, through COVID for the last year. I think I lost the last year. I don't know what happened to it. So now I'm going to get rid of the weight and go back to running. So let me ask you about medications, because a lot of people are taking a lot of different medications. Is that your responsibility to go over that in the preoperative exam? Oh, yes, definitely. And I often joke in the lecture I give on preoperative evaluation um, that I could give a whole nother lecture just on medications. And you probably wouldn't be able to finish, right? Like uh, there's just so many medications out there. Um, and, you know, depending on people's comorbidities, they might be on a lot of medications. And comorbidities just means what disease, you know, different diseases people have. They exist together, right? Um, so I guess one of the big medicines we deal with a lot is insulin. And like you talked about with diabetes, you know, patients uh, uh, that are on long-acting insulins especially need to be real careful because we stopped their food the night before. 
And, you know, if you stop calories and you're still getting insulin, that can be dangerous. So we have to be really careful. Um, there's all kinds of, you know, steroids we got to look at, beta blockers we got to look at, uh, all the all the meds. So everything that someone's on. So sometimes would a person be told you can't take this, you know, when you go into surgery? Yeah, they will we'll ask you to hold it. Sometimes um, like blood thinners, right? You, those are a big one as well. You know, you want to be careful depending on the surgery. Some of them, it doesn't matter. Other ones, it matters a lot. So we might ask you to hold uh, those. It might be a week ahead of time, like um, aspirin Plavix. Those are like antiplatelets, which, you know, prevent, uh, you know, people post uh, heart attacks and stuff get put on those, but they can't be on them because they make you bleed, you know? So you know, it's kind of a balancing act. So you hold off, you hold off um, medications, sometimes you decrease them, sometimes you hold them. Well, let me ask you, if you find something that really needs to be, you know, handled before a person can safely undergo surgery, what happens then? Do they go back to their physician or do you work with them to get things under control? So there's two main places that patients get preoperative evaluations. So it would be the outpatient setting, and then it would be in the hospital. I mostly do hospital medicine. So usually patients are in the hospital. They need some procedure that's not quite emergent, but needs to happen. And then they'll call us, and we'll kind of follow along and help them kind of optimize the patient, as they like to say, um, and make sure that those things do get taken care of or delay the surgery so that we can take care of it. Like the shortness of breath one I was talking about earlier, the chest pain. Uh, sometimes we'll want to do a, a stress test, um, like a, you know, where they walk on the treadmill and they monitor your heart. Um, so we'll, we might do that before we actually let people go to the um, operating room just to make sure nothing actually is happening. And so once that issue, whatever it is, is solved, they need to be evaluated again to make sure nothing else has come up in the interim, depending. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in the hospital, that's a little easier because I'll see you the next day. I'll see you the next day. I'll see you the next day, right? Um, outpatient, you just have to reschedule. So, and that's why you want to do it a couple of weeks ahead of time is so that you can skip that appointment. Okay, we need to do this test, these tests, and then you come back in a week or we'll call you. You know, maybe those tests are great and we'll just give you the thumbs up over the phone and say, you know, uh, good luck at surgery. Well, well, this has been very informative. Thank you to Dr. Zachary Shepard. He's an assistant professor of medicine who specializes in internal medicine at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.